Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revivals, emo violence, even ska. We're here to help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council. Just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? Forgive me for running off the line and the one thing I have to do Today on the Watch Up Emo podcast, uh, we welcome Josh Burwanger from the band Anniversary, um, and Ray Harkins and I are very excited to have you. Um, and in- interesting enough, this came about where someone uh, told me on Twitter that we should interview you, randomly contacted you through Twitter, you hit me back, so the magic of Twitter, here we are. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for that one guy who still remembers the anniversary. <laughs> So that's awesome. Um, I just really want to, you know, um, talk a little bit about the start and, you know, some of your favorite albums growing up. Um, you have a lot of different influences, I feel like, with um, the anniversary um, uh-huh. and kind of what was sort of the, the, the path to uh, 97 almost. Um, well, where should I start here? For early influences? Or? Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I got really into, a lot of people call it heavy metal, I call it rock and roll, uh, when I was really young, um, in like third grade, I got like a Diamond Rex record and a, uh, Molly Crew record, at my, actually, uh, when I made my first communion, I was going to a Catholic school, and I, you know, I got a, a boom box for, for doing that, my mom gave me ten bucks and she was like, go buy whatever tape you want. So I went to the, the local tape world and, uh, I Hell got yeah, tape the, world. It's tape world. Gosh, they, I, I think it, I think people should start tape world again. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot. To, I don't know. It was a cool place. It had a cool logo, but, uh, I bought uh Motley Crue shout at the devil. And I remember bringing it home and my mom was like, I hope it's shot bad things at the devil. And I was like, it is. <laughs> and I, I really thought it was to this day. But uh, so I was really into, you know, Ozzy and Tribute, that record, and uh, Appetite for Destruction, that was huge, and then Black Sabbath, and then Alice Cooper, um, Kiss, and all that stuff. And uh, I don't know, that was my earliest influence. Just seeing the Paradise City video by Guns N' Roses was, was like life-changing to me. Um so, and still to this day, I love all that stuff. Um, 
I still listen to pretty much Guns N' Roses on a weekly basis. Nice. Um, and then, I don't know, that just, you know, how it is. And, uh, oh, I guess a lot of kids out there don't know how it is anymore. I mean, I feel it was kind of like, you know, you you heard Motley Crue or something, and then you saw that they liked Kiss, and then they saw Kiss like Iggy and the Stooges, or you saw Nikki Six like Iggy and the Stooges, or you saw, you know, and Iggy and the Stooges like MC5 and Alice Cooper and the Flaming Groovies, and I just started like tracking music of who the band and what their influences were, and it, it just, you know, as I got older, especially in high school, I just got all the way back to like Lead Belly, and then earlier, you know, slave songs that were recorded, and my influences are just everywhere and uh you know i think nowadays i kind of listen to older soul music and punk rock music mostly but uh i don't know that's it's you're when you're asking the question i mean it was you're right it was just a anniversary it was just a huge huge list of influences and it was constantly growing and uh we're constantly looking for music anywhere we could go um and that was one of the cooler things about the band i thought really but um well i always thought too that you guys were kind of the different you know and this isn't a bad thing the different band on vagrant and i kind of want to talk about that you know later but i think when you guys formed was it all you guys all had you know different views i mean sometimes bands come together and it's all the same genre they're all the same you guys have this vision we want to sound like no effects or you know whatever the band is And you guys, when you guys formed, I mean, what were some of the, you know, feelings around? Were you, did you feel, like, different when you were playing stuff? And then kind of getting lumped into a scene and a genre. Yeah, I kind of. I, I had no idea. I, mean, I remember having this conversation with Jim, David, our bass player, at one point where the name emo, the, the word emo came up. And I was like, what's emo? And he was like, I don't know. It's like Sunny Day Real Estate, or he said Sunny Day Real Estate and maybe Karate or Jimmy World or somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, huh. And I was like, the the as far as like that style, like college rock indie music, I was really into like Sabado and Pavement and Dinosaur Junior, and that that sort of more like alternative what they called it, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, you know, to this day, I couldn't even name any of the real estate song, uh, and uh, I guess I had some Slint records, I guess they're kind of considered emo, but uh, so, you know, none of us really knew that whole emo thing, it was more of just like, you know, I could, I remember being influenced by the rentals a little bit, and the cars, and, uh, I mean, when the, that first Reynolds record came out, I remember Justin and I were just like, whoa, that keyboard's so cool. And the girls in it is just so different sounding. And, um, you know, we had a girl in the band and we had a mood already. And we kind of sounded more like a, I don't know, we kind of sounded more like a more punk rock Weezer at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, like Rolling Stones and you know just it was never this kind of like what Vagrant was and uh, we, I kind of you know we did we were kind of the outcast of the label and we kind of always 
in a way were treated that way, and there wasn't essentially a bad thing. It was just, uh, I think, there were times where, especially when we put out Your Majesty, um, where they just had never dealt with a record like that before, and a lot of their outlets were t towards more of like an emo, you know, like alternative press style uh, magazines, and we wanted to go like, we wanted to be reviewed in Mojo Magazine, you know? And I think it was kind of, I think the record kind of got lost a little bit in uh, the places it should have gone and rather than the places that it went. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I, there were some bands that, I mean, I'm sure Ray can attest to, there's some bands that I've worked that, you know, we were in a certain scene at the time at the label and we were working this band that was completely different and we just didn't have those contacts at you know, a pitchfork or whatever those, whatever the, the site or the, the magazine was at the time, right. it didn't, and, and you couldn't like convince them at all because the label was such a big point to it where whatever the label was, like you saw Vagrant and you were like, okay, emo band. Exactly. And that's the, that's the next thing. I mean, you know, I'm not saying we couldn't have made that record without Vagrant and they were so great to us and I always love that label. Um, and it wasn't like it was, I'm like saying it was their fault. It was just, we were doing something different and it was just, it was a hard spot for probably us to put out a record that was different and for them to like try and find outlets like that because that, you know, Pitchfork's a perfect example. I mean, once they saw a Vagrant label on it, whether it was the next Beach Boys Pest Comps record, they're not going to like it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, like you, to, to jump in, like if you guys... I, I do believe that if you guys were to release a record on, like, Merge, then people would have obviously opened their eyes and been like, oh, yeah, maybe this sounds more, like, super chunk than anything else. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that, I mean, isn't it just so ridiculous how, I mean, I guess you can say anything in the world, how things work, but, uh, I mean, especially music, I mean, I don't know, and look at Vagrant now. I mean, it's kind of more in the merge style of music. Wouldn't you guys say so? I mean, they put uh, one, out kind of... 100%. I mean, with the Hold Steady, PJ Harvey, like all those kind of things have definitely changed and sort of moved them outside of it. And um, I think it took a long time. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I kind of look at that sometimes. I'd like to say where we had some reason behind that that we probably didn't at all. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Uh, it, it, I, it's just a weird thing how you can put your label, uh, you could cut, put your music out on Merge, and it could be like the most, um, it could be, I'm trying to think of a band, it could be like Reggie and the Full Effect, and mm -hmm. people will think it's like this art-driven record that has this, you know, whatever, and then you put it out on Vagrant, it's just like a pop-punk record, you know? I always think the same thing, too, with... Um anything Mike Patton puts his finger on like uh -huh. if you like if you put it out on um, like a metal label like Metal Blade or something which I love Metal Blade they yeah. you know but if Patton puts it out it's got this whole other realm to it art quality yeah, yeah. It, it, that's, that's a good example yeah well, I, also, one I, I also find it funny because a lot of the people that are involved in music as involved as like we all have been then you have your, you know, 14 and 15-year-old kid just today because, you know, kids of that age, they don't give a shit about what label puts a record out. Whereas, like, obviously, the time that we're speaking about, whatever record you're, whatever record label you signed to, that defined you in a way. That's true.
true. I guess I really don't think about that anymore either, how, like, today is so much. It's just, like, people don't even check record labels because, for the most part, um, compared to 10 years ago, because it's, like, you know, I mean, I know I still do, so I guess this, I mean, not that it, I judge what it is, but, I mean, I'll, like, see a record, and I'll, if I like it a lot, I'll go check out the label and see what else is on it. But, like, today it's just, it's an MP3, and if you like, if everyone else likes it, you buy it, and you never check the. I mean, I was I just recorded a new record, and I was thinking about the liner notes, and I was like, gosh, it, it, people probably don't even check that anymore, really, unless you know you're a collect vinyl, and I do, but uh, you know, is that right? Yeah. No one's no one is checking any of that. No, and it's like, is anyone downloaded the iTunes and then check? No, it's what's this song? It's three and a half minutes. I'm gonna put it on my iPod and I'm gonna you know go to school and it's gonna be the one of fifty songs that they have. And I also think too the there's it's this mindset of there isn't a record. It's not like a scene. Like they listen to everything. It's I think it's they listen to pop. They listen to metal. They listen to dubstep. They listen to dance. There's no, like, in that whole, I think, Ray, we've talked about this a bunch, where there's labels and there's tours that try to shove down, you're going to listen to this genre tonight. And I think kids aren't like that. Like, the kid at the Skrillex show might like Justin Bieber just as much, or another artist that might be make more sense, but something that they're so into, and now... And it's like the, the 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 establishment's trying to set them down one track, but the kid doesn't care. Right. right. <laughs> I don't care. You know, yeah, I liked right. those hardcore shows with the post-hardcore and maybe the emo band. I loved it. Oh yeah. I mean, I I totally agree. I mean, I remember when we used to play those. You know, it'd be coalesce, get up kids, and anniversary, and it was. That sounds like a great fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> that one time anniversary, which I still think, if you liked the anniversary, maybe you didn't, which is fine. Uh, uh, we we took this, we went on tour, and it was, uh, this is unbelievable that we were actually headlining this, but it was uh, Mesa State opening, then Super Drag, then Mars Volta, then us. That's awesome. And it was wow. Like, and it, it was like, you know, I think of that, and it was the coolest lineup of music. I mean, you had your total pop of Mesa State. You had just a great rock and roll band, Super Drag. You had Mars Volta, who, you know Mars Volta. I don't know. I can't really describe them. And, and Anniversary is just kind of a rock and roll band as well. And it was just, like, so different and diverse. I was, I don't know, I always thought that was a cool tour. Did you feel like the crowd was different? Did you feel it older? Not, Did you feel it was so it like much. the same kids? Not so much. It was uh, I felt it was a it was a great group of uh, you know when we played LA, of course it was like written about in Rolling Stone as Mars Volta's show, and they didn't <laughs> mention any. I didn't mention any of the other bands. That's awesome. But uh, it was uh, I mean it was just a you know with the Your Majesty record for anniversary at least. Uh, I thought we got a little older of an audience in certain, uh, you know, areas, and that was kind of cool. So, our, and then there's a group of people who hated us after that record, and then there's a group more. I think there's more of a group of people who really liked us more. So, I I, I think that's how it always happens, though. It's yeah, you, yeah. You, you you release the record, they hate it, and then ten years later they say, "Oh man, you guys were awesome." I mean, I didn't yeah. go to the show, but I like your record now. 
think if you, I think if you know you have a good record, and I think there's times you know, and there's times you don't, you you know it's not that good. But I think if you know, if people, if you know, and then it comes out, and people are saying it's the best thing ever and it's the worst thing ever, you know you have something pretty good. How did you uh, how did you guys get originally hooked up with um, you know vagrant get up kids and all that type of stuff? Just uh, playing around with we friends with the get up kids. They're all in these other. Uh, I think in all of our high school bands, Justin's band, my band, Pryor's band, Subject's band. We all played this benefit show this one time. It was before we all really knew each other, and uh, it was like. Gosh, it was probably like 95 or 96. And uh, so, you know, we'd all been on the scene in Kansas City. And then uh, they did the Get Up Kids, and we were in the anniversary. We just started hanging out and uh, playing some shows together. And then Adrian and Rob started dating, and uh, they signed a Vagrant. And then, we, you know, they had our demos and stuff and gave them the Vagrant. And then they started that little imprint label, Heroes and Villains. and Vagrant liked it, and that's kind of how it happened. So, just you just got to know people. <laughs> <laughs> it's it all very, comes down to knowing people. Be nice to everyone. That's very know. true. It really is. It's, I'm working on a graphic design degree right now, and I'm like, it's kind of just. It's, it'll be nice to have that piece of paper, but it's really who I know. Yeah. On uh, what I'll do with it. No, I think too. I mean. Let's. I mean, I, we've been talking about Your Majesty a little bit. I wanted to, you know, talk about the first record. Um, you know, obviously being Vagrant, having those first tours, going out with the Get Up Kids, it was definitely different for fans. It was different for me to see you guys. It wasn't. It wasn't what we were expecting, and um, good and bad. And what were some of the, you know, thing kind of from that first tour? Is anything that you remember from it? We. It was a good tour. I mean, it was, you know, we had toured actually um, a couple times by ourselves before we did that tour, so I felt we had built in um, a pretty good little following. Because um, we had toured with Hot Rod Circuit a couple times on the East and West Coast, and then um, a few times just kind of by ourselves with random bands here and there. And, um, I mean, it was great. It was, a, it was, it was always fun touring with them. I mean, I think we toured Europe with the Get Up Kids, too, um, before that, so, you know, it was, we just were all so close at that time um, that it was kind of, you know, just a big group family-esque, in a way, of, uh, you know, everyone kind of knew, everyone knew each other, and everyone knew what to expect, and uh, shows were all great. I mean, I I think the Get Up Kids fans have always been completely open to whoever they bring on tour with them. And I think they've always, it seems like whether they like the band or not, they're always like treating them really well and would check out some merch. Because I remember there's a couple of tours where they took out this band called Jebediah from Australia and then another one where they took out this band called Seafood from London. And it was like, kids had really never heard of that. But I remember them like really giving like listening to them and giving them a chance I'm like you know we've definitely been on other tours where that wasn't always the case I felt like a lot of people either landed on uh one or the other side when it came to the anniversary people either just more so with the first record 
Um, they either loved you guys or they totally hated it. Um, you know, either just because, you know, for whatever reason, they stylistically thought that you might have been too similar to the Get Up Kids or whatever. You know, there's millions of reasons why people don't like the bands. But did you uh, did you guys see kind of feel that response where it's like kids either got you or they didn't? I remember when the first record came out and during the first tour and people were like, I, I remember once going into, loading into a show and there was some other band, they're like, they're just, they're just ripping off the Get Up Kids, they sound exactly like them. And I was like, I didn't, I just remember hearing that and I was like, I never had thought of that before. I never heard that we sounded anything like them. I was just like, well, they added a keyboard after they saw us play. I was like, so that's technically them trying to sound more like us. Not that that matters anyways, because almost every band I know has a keyboard. And I just never heard, I never, I, you know, we had a girl in the van. I felt like our songs were different. And um, I don't know, it's, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to, like, really, like, put the two together, because I always felt they were so, like, Matt, vocals and Jim's vocals sounded so much more different than the vocals that we had going on in the anniversary and I, I felt the songs were a lot different and I don't know I think people just either liked it or didn't and I think more people in that scene seemed to have more positive things to say than negative but I was never paying attention to it really. Yeah, and I thought I thought too. I mean, the I think you're totally right about it being this open thing because I think people were accepting of it. They liked Vagrant. They liked the bands. They they were like, well, it's signed for a reason. They wanna yeah. they wanted to check it out, and I think that was you know something good. And I I thought too that you guys did different stuff. I mean, the split with Super Jag was awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys did a tour with Guided by Voices. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I was going to ask, and um, I used to work at TVT Records when uh-huh. you guys did the deal, um, and I was wondering, you guys had, was I read something online that you had a delayed release for Your Majesty. Was that because of TVT, or was that like some other, you know, thing that's not just me to be discussed or whatever, some, some, some bullshit, but um, I just know there was a bunch of back and forth with those two labels at that time. You know, that's a good question. I... I never really thought of that until right now, but it was, I totally forgot that Your Majesty was supposed to come out way earlier, and it didn't, and we were supposed to have been touring on that record when we were doing those Mars Volta and Super Drag and Make the State shows, but that whole tour, was, that was supposed to be the Majesty tour, but uh, it ended up coming out way later, and that tour was hell for us, now that I think about it. And because we wanted to be playing all new songs, and the crowd didn't want to hear that at all. And so we were playing the majority of new songs. I remember the shows were just, the shows just kept getting kind of worse for us because half of us wanted to play new songs and half of us wanted to play old songs. And I just remember arguing a lot because... I remember just kids not liking the shows. I mean, you know, I'm enjoying with the crowd.
Um, you know, we just, I mean, if you don't know the anniversary of drama and what happened, then you need to do some digging on the internet. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it right now. But, yeah. Uh, like, uh, we have, you know, and all oh, in that offer from DreamWorks and that and signed a new management and uh, we just weren't getting along anymore and we you know we toured with we did a lot of touring we toured with like Marvel Smiles and Guided by Voices and did a cheap trick tour which was really weird and uh, then we were writing some new songs and just no one was getting along in the band anymore and we just kind of grew apart and you know felt like some of us didn't know each other anymore and it was kind of a really sad thing in a way. Um, so, you know, we had a meeting and broke up, and that was that, kind of. children and kind of what okay. you learned after you know kind of doing things on your own and you know not having the whole band and what what were some stuff that you kind of learned from it and missed and and liked um well it was uh it, i found it to be a lot harder i mean it was you know switching from having you know a lot of support from a label and um you know, being able to get on tours and stuff and signing to a really small label, which was Glope Records, and they're a really cool little label, but they're a really little label. And I actually, you know, had signed with them while the anniversary was still together, and I was just planning on doing something really small on the side, and then we broke up, and it just kind of turned into that was what I'm doing now. And, uh, you know, I, I felt... You know, I recorded a new record, uh, or recorded a record with it, and uh, I still think that's a pretty good record. And uh, it's called Change of Living, um, and it was a little different than the anniversary, but uh, it's kind of what I was doing at the time. And ended up going on tour, and it was just kind of a disaster, and didn't really work out, and kind of, uh, I don't know, that was kind of, that was kind of the end of me really trying to push to do music anymore and then i can i mean i think um this you know i want to talk about your um new stuff um toward the uh -huh. end but i think it kind of leads into um this other exciting thing that you're doing um you're teaching you're uh you know you're um, coaching basketball like how did all that uh -huh. come about did you did you did you go to this school that you're now teaching at yeah i graduated high school from there oh so. nice now the school's northwest blue valley right with my Northwest, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I moved to Canada for a while, and then uh, when I moved back, um, I ran into an old teacher, and I felt I was looking for, I was looking for a job, really, and uh, I felt like the only things I really knew about were music and basketball. So I, she was like, they're hired, they have a position open for uh, girls' basketball. And I was like, really? And so I went and uh, interviewed for the job and got it, and this is this is my seventh year doing it. So. That's awesome. Now, did you start coaching freshmen, and then now you're doing JV? 
correct? Yeah, I started I started on the lowest level, the freshman B team. Did that for two years, and then I got a. And then I got offered. We hired a new coach, a head coach, and he asked me if I wanted to be the JV or varsity coach. And then at that same time, the boys' coach asked me if I wanted to coach boys. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I may prefer, like, on a Saturday watching guys' basketball, but I prefer coaching girls' basketball. Interesting. It's, just, it's, it's a different different but it's uh you deal with a lot of less ego yeah i, I was a giant to... asshole when i played in high school <laughs> <laughs> you have to yeah, Af- you know and i actually won the we had a three-point award like mr three uh-huh. every year and they uh-huh. gave it to one kid in the entire school and i won it freshman year um and so from that point on, I was like, well, it was I, over. I was like, I can just chuck threes all day. I obviously, <laughs> I, you know, it didn't, I actually didn't make the varsity team for our senior year or our junior year when we actually won the state title, but it was like one of those things Dang. where it was actually won the state title. That's nice. Um, did you play growing up too? I did play. Nice. So, yeah, I played and my dad coached and my uncles coached AAU and uh, so I just, uh, I don't know, been in gyms, if I wasn't, I, while doing music, I was nowhere near it, yeah. but uh, <laughs> if I was doing anything with basketball, we would be ending a show early to go watch KU play or something, nice. which we did numerous times. Why did they only play seven songs? <laughs> we had Twitter, it's like, KU games on, short set tonight. Do you, do you, uh, do you teach at the school as well? I was working there as a para for the last three years, and this year I stopped doing that and uh, enrolled back into college. Because so, I never got my degree, because I enrolled in the KU in 97 and then, or 98, and then we got signed like a year later and just, you know. Decided to go tour the world instead. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's I think that's not a bad thing at all. <laughs> Prior has definitely changed. <laughs> exactly. So now I'm the weird old person in the back of the classroom. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and you turn around, and you see this creepy dude in the back taking notes and completely clueless as to what the professor's talking about. Might be me. You know what I was you know I was bummed about is I was trying to find footage of you online freaking out after a call or getting thrown out of a game. I was thinking with the power of YouTube, but I couldn't find anything. Is there any uh um what is there any uh things coaching girls basketball? Have you have you lost your mind on a ref for a you know flagrant it's, it's, flagrant call? <laughs> really funny you say that. So my team this year, I'm, I'm a head JV coach and then assistant varsity. So my JV team this year we're saying we're undefeated. We've lost one game, and it was to a Catholic school. And we were playing there. We were up 12 points at halftime. And no, we, I haven't had a girl foul out this in, or been in foul trouble this entire year. We come out in the third quarter. We have 10 fouls against us in the first four minutes of the game. So the other team's in the double bonus already. It was within four minutes. That's like hard to do. Yes. You know? It's like hard to call that many fouls. They went to the free throw line, I think, went to the free throw line 26 times. Uh, we ended up getting the game into overtime somehow. I have no idea how we did it. Because <laughs> um, in the third quarter, like towards the end, I was like, I pulled the rest aside and I was like, hey, what are, what are we doing different this half 
than we did in the first half because there weren't this many fouls called. We aren't doing anything different. I mean, the fouls were ridiculous, and he just walked away. We wow. wouldn't even answer. So two minutes later, I got a technical. <laughs> I, pretty, I pretty much ran onto the court after a call, teeing my, giving myself the technical sign. Yep. And saying <laughs> bullshit. Is, uh, oh, I wanted. To, where is? Why isn't this online? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and it's like it was really bad too because it's at a Catholic school, and <laughs> and I had to have a meeting with our athletic director afterwards for but, being out but, of line. And but uh, see, that just but, that, that just sounds like it was. There's no way that anybody couldn't have reacted that way. He was building up all game, and it just oh, had I, had to come out. You know, I had parents. I was talking to our head coach about it. I was like, "Am I wrong?" And he was like, "No, you weren't." I mean, it's just you know, there's nothing. It's you're in this heated you know battle. And then I was like, "Have you had any of our parents complain?" And he said, "No." I said, "Then we don't have a problem." You know, <laughs> I had mostly I had our parents kind of coming up and being like, "Hey, I'm sorry you had to do that. I'm glad you stuck up for the team though." And then I had this other parent come up to me and he goes, "I I uh, videotaped part of the game with my phone." And he sent it to me, and it's like the last play of the game. We have the ball. We're down by two. We're dribbling up across the court. My point guard makes a pass. The girl from the other team kicks the ball. My girl goes after it on the sideline. The girl from the other team undercuts her. They call it no foul, no kick, and out on us. Oh, my God. It was just like, and it's like, you know, this sounds kind of, so, a lot of people don't understand. It's like, and especially it's like girls high school basketball. They're like, oh, whatever. But, I mean, I'm very invested into this. You know, I spend a lot of time doing it. So it, it's really stressful. So, but the irony is we play them again in about an hour and a half. So tonight, so we're going to try and look to get some revenge tonight. Oh, we are pulling for you. I hope this game, I'm going to be looking for some footage. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could. Uh, they don't. You know, JV basketball doesn't get put online too much, <laughs> no, live streams. Ray, I think we should work on that. I think, I think this would be an interesting thing to put on the site. <laughs> I think, yeah, we just start to cover, uh, you know, JV and freshmen the athletics, and people are like, what are you guys doing? I thought you were talking about <laughs> Rock and roll coaches in uh, high school. Exactly. Coaching, uh, a documentary. Well, it seems like, honestly, there is a huge trend, I think, within independent music where – people that you know don't aren't, aren't involved in bands anymore they transition into teaching just because uh -huh. it's like there's there's an obvious connection there yeah i think that's you know that's totally true I, for me and i feel the same way i would think the same way for other people is it's like you're doing music and you're you're doing it because it's an artistic outlet and while you're doing it there's so many people who just become involved and like come up to you and are like, thank you so much. This, you don't know how much has changed my life. And for me, it was kind of like, what can I still do to like help impact people or like, be an influence on someone's life? And I, I mean, I feel like I've kind of seen a lot in the world and it's, you know, for, for athletics, it's like kind of helping kids to try to see like the bigger picture of things and not, this concrete suburban life that they live in, you know? Well, it gives it, it also gives you the opportunity to show that you can start stuff in high school. Cause I think there's a huge barrier in kids' heads that, you know, when you're in high school, you've got no say, you know, you have to go to school. There's all these things you have to do, but it's like, right. you, know, you can start a band, you can do a lot of stuff 
you know, in conjunction with what you already have to do. And yeah, I think a person that has your, you know, knowledge, you can be like, yo, start a band. You'll be, you'll yeah. be surprised where it takes you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. I mean, I've had a couple of kids come up and be like, can you come to one of our practices? And I was like, yeah, maybe. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. You could just start, you could just start a, a whole independent uh, business on consulting kids in their garages. <laughs> Gosh, that might be the next money maker. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, I was gonna do a couple more things on basketball. Your favorite team's obviously Kansas, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a you know, I I, I like the Hoosiers, Indiana, and I like Kansas. And um, then every once in a while, you know, I'll find this some other team will kind of you'll see a cool coach, and you know, I start liking a certain team every once in a while. So, but those are my two main teams. Who's your Who's your most despised team, though? That'll really tell you something. Well, I just can't. I really can't stand Kentucky. Good and, man. I mean, I just, and he's he's such an underachiever as a coach. I mean, look at the teams he's had the last couple of years, and he just can't win a championship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think him. I think him and Rick Barnes are the two most underachieving coaches in college basketball. I mean, look at the players they've had. I mean, Derrick Rose, the Texas had Kevin Durant. I mean, I don't even think they made it to the Elite Eight with Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. Who's the coach Dude. from the Bearcats, the, the Cincinnati Bearcats? Huggins. Yeah, did you know that while he was there, uh, guess how many players graduated? Oh, he had the lowest. Zero. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, zero. I think in, in like the like his stats are the lowest in college basketball ever. Yeah, and still has a job. I forget where he is, but like, it, it, that's crazy. He's at talk, since... talk, talk about instilling a work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> a good, positive, solid work ethic. <laughs> this is what we're gonna do, guys. <laughs> um, I am. I'm a, a huge Paul Pierce Celtics fan, so I know he oh, likes yeah. Kansas. Hey, he played at KU. Yes, that's why I brought it up. It's, yeah, yeah, it's huge. Uh, he always, I know he sometimes mentions that on uh, Facebook or Twitter and stuff. I know he always. He's all, I, I love Paul Pierce. He's awesome. And for him to be on a team for this long, will pro. I don't know if it'll ever happen again. Um, staying with one yeah. team. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's always been a Celtic. Will always be a Celtic. Uh, dude, the Celtics are struggling a little they, bit. They, dude, last night was so. We're, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but by the way, they, we lost to Detroit again. I was watching Detroit? it. Detroit? We lost to Detroit again. Ugh. <laughs> and it wasn't close. It wasn't close. <laughs> and it we have close. we have Dallas tonight, and then we have, uh, we have uh, um, I think, uh, some other OKC or something like that. So, yeah. See, the Celtics have been weird, though, this year. I mean, they'll lose to Detroit, and then they'll beat Chicago. Yeah, it's definitely... Um, there's too many games for this old bunch of, you know, bag of bones. That's pretty yeah, much what it comes true. down to. So, um, is there anything tonight? Can, can you give us any, uh, and this isn't airing tonight, obviously, but any, any, uh, favorite plays you're going to run? Any, uh, trick plays we're going to see tonight against, uh, the Catholic, the, ha know. the hated Catholic squad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm forever cursed in that building. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about doing, um a little half-court trap and possibly a box-and-one. But, nice. you know, for me, it's like I just want to stick to what we do, and I'm not going to do any – you know, I was thinking, I was like, let's do something different to change it up to start out. But, I mean, we're just playing good enough to – let's just stick to what we do. Let's not throw out anything that we're not used to doing and haven't done on anyone all year just because we should have beat this team and, 
got screwed by the ref, you know? Yeah. There's one last thing. I'm sorry. I just remembered this play that my coach ran um, when we were in um, high school. I, it only worked once. Out of a time, <laughs> Out of a timeout. He, uh-huh. It was out of bounds. We were on the opposite end of our, our court. Uh-huh. He had a player lay down on the other end of the court while the, you know, we needed to go the length of the court. Another right. the player lay down, and everyone didn't realize he was there. As soon as the play started, <laughs> he got up, and he threw a, lo- a long court pass, and we got a layup. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my gosh. That, my, my coach in high school pulled something where a kid was acting like he was off the court, but he was still just standing just on the court, same sort of thing. And, like, everyone was assuming that he was rotating out, and then he just breaks for the basket, and, yeah. I See, I feel like if I ever run something like that, someone's going to get hurt on my team. <laughs> You're going to be like, darn it, I listened to those two dorks, and now, <laughs> now someone's now out. <laughs> I'm going to run a Statue of Liberty play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run the Mighty Ducks play on basketball. Oh, yeah, good call. The Flying V. Yep. <laughs> um well, also, I wanted to quickly talk about, um, or at the end, I wanted to talk about some of the, the new music. You still got the bug. You still, you know, that's awesome. I know that Max Bemis from Say Anything sang on a song. Um, yeah. Let's, you know, tell everybody about the record and how it came about and kind of what your kind of plans are with it. Well, I just, the first the first Only Children record I recorded with Mark Benning up in Colorado, and I had been sending him some demos and stuff, and he was liking them, and just kind of you know it was taking forever i was like i don't want to do this there's no point in doing this and i finally found someone who wanted to give me a little money to go record and so i went and did that and um mark and i just kept saying don't worry about if it ever comes out you know we'll just we're just making it for our moms something like that (laughs) and uh i was like okay that's fine and uh so that's kind of what we did we just made it just to make it and uh, actually, Jim McPherson, remember that band, The Breeders? Yes. And he was in Guided by Voices a little bit. He played drums on it, and uh, which was totally cool to me because I was, I'm still a huge Breeders fan. And I just remember waking up in the morning and watching uh, Breeders videos and going to high school and then having him play on my records. Like a, That's awesome. It's a, huge, it's a huge thing to me. And probably not a lot of people really remember him as, or The Breeders, but... Hopefully they do. Um, but, yeah, so now we're just kind of have no label, have no anything, and going to maybe try and see if anyone wants to put it out. And if they don't, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> it may never come out. But uh, What's it going to uh, be called? I'm just going to call it Burwanger. Got it. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it might get big in Germany with a, <laughs> last name, with a band name like that. <laughs> People just like it for the name. Ray, can we brainstorm? We got to think of some marketing ideas right here. How can we? Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, sh- you should just call yourself Bratwurst. <laughs> Bratwurst. Uh, that might be good. I feel people. Like, my uncle won the first Heisman Trophy, so when people Google that, it'll come up. Are you serious? So That's we've, amazing. We've got ten people who will buy the record so far. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That is like that's that's like you know the real Al Al Bundy kind of thing you know like I scored I know, four I'm touchdowns in a single game. <laughs> I see. I'll never be able to be the most famous Burlinger with someone like that. <laughs> uh, my, my JV coaching isn't going to bring me to the fame that I thought it might. Do you want to coach varsity? 
Uh, I would do that. Um, I almost, I almost applied for a job last year, but uh, the, the thing with this is like the coach uh, Dave and I, we've really been building this program. This program's been in the pits for the last, honestly, like 15 years, and it, it's been an awful like, you know, just hasn't won games. And last year we um, got to our first, uh, we won our first sub-state in the first in like 16 years. So. It's kind of a really cool thing what we're doing with it right now. That's so awesome. It's kind of cool to be part of. No, it's. I think high school sports is one of the last. <laughs> I mean, college has gotten very, very, you know, diluted in TV and graduating everybody. Thanks, Bob Huggins. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, definitely. I um, yeah, it's definitely uh, great to see that man. So. Well, there's uh, something with there's something with sports too that like I think that really like when I was making that transition of stopping playing music, I was so burnt out on everything. Like I don't, I didn't like anything musically and uh, like new stuff really. I couldn't find anything I was into. And then I started doing sports and then I started thinking about it. I was like, why do I like sports so much? And I just like kept thinking, I was like, I, I'd love it. And I would like try and talk myself out. Like, why do I like this? And I was like, I finally came to the realization is like sports is the only thing it takes a hundred percent talent to succeed in. And I was, I was just like thinking about that, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." It was like, it was like anything. I can't think of anything in the world that, like, besides sports, that you need 100% talent to succeed in. You know, it's like music. No, I mean, so many people make it every day. Art, no. I mean, like, becoming a doctor. I mean, do- oh, so many doctors don't know shit. So it's like, uh, I just kind of think that that's like kind of a really cool thing, is, and to like, you know. I'm, you're always around talent and talented people, whether it's in a artistic way or a sports athletic way. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, just uh, both both my parents were teachers, and just that you're molding these people, and they're listening, and they're 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 learning so many things on the basketball court that isn't basketball. Exactly. And exactly. That's awesome, man. Well, um, I know you got to get to your game, so gotta go. <laughs> no technicals tonight, though. Oh man, no. I, I that's why. I, I mean, I like fights in hockey, so maybe that's why I like technicals. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> definitely entertaining. I'm pretty sarcastic. That's usually what gets me one. <laughs> nice. Um, well, uh, Josh, thanks so much for um, being a part of this. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot of people that. Um, you know, we're supportive of you guys, and I think we'd be really psyched. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks so much, man. Awesome. Thanks a lot for doing this, guys. Um, I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, whoever's listening, I, I appreciate you guys for still remembering about the old anniversary. <laughs> That's what this site's all about. <laughs> we just, we just. That's what's cool. I, I know. I saw the Uh, thanks so much for listening to the Washed Up Emo podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter by at Washed Up Emo. On the uh, Facebook, if you like that, listen to more of these via iTunes. Um, search Washed Up Emo. Um, and uh, the site is, of course, what do you think? WashedUpEmo.com. Uh, send your feedback or requests on who you want on next. And your request could come true just like today. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so see you next time. Thanks.
Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years, or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shuttle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted Volume 1 so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.